say thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Stephen, again for uh, leading us so well this morning. So uh, grateful for you. And uh, I think Jeff and Hannah are watching at home. So Jeff and Hannah, we're saying uh, thank you and uh, we miss you and can't wait to have you guys back with us. Uh, they uh, Hannah's recovering nicely. So thankful uh, for that. She was diagnosed with COVID uh, a week ago. And so we are wishing them uh, health and uh, hopefully returning back real soon to Grace Hill. Hey, if you're watching online with us for the first time today, I've got a gift for you uh, as well as if you're here with us in the room for the very first time today, or maybe it's been a while, uh, I've got a gift I want to give you. Uh, this is a great Bible. It's called Every Day with Jesus. It's a daily Bible. It's got a short devotion at the end. Uh, it's going to take you front to back through the Bible in a year. And I want to make this uh, a gift to you. Uh, today we're talking about truth, talking about grounding our lives in truth. And as we're going to see in just a minute, uh, there are really nothing else we can ground our lives in better than the Word of God. And so I want to give this to you if you're a guest with us. Uh, here's what I'd like for you to do. Just make a comment. Uh, JP is uh, moderating. He's our online, I'm, gonna, I'm calling him our campus pastor, our online campus pastor. Uh, JP is uh, moderating those comments. Just uh, give him a quick thumbs up or a hello, and we'll make sure to connect with you. Uh, and then here in the room, uh, if you would like a copy of this, find me right after the service, and I'll make that uh, available to you as well. Hey, so uh, today, week two, challenge accepted. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, to go back maybe and catch up to last week's message because each week we'll kind of build on one another. Uh, you can actually do that. Go to gracehill901.com slash media, and there you'll find the message videos. You'll find links to our podcast. You can listen to that on uh, Apple Podcasts if you want to, but I want to encourage you to go catch up. Uh, today, we're going to talk about this idea of truth, and what I want to do is I want to give you a series of statements, true, false statements, and I want you here in the room to just shout out your answers, and then online, what I want you to do, if you can, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, true for thumbs up, false for thumbs down, and we'll see kind of where we land on this, okay? You guys ready? I got I to gotta hear you. I'm half deaf, so you guys got to really give it, give, you know, give me some volume up here. Here we go. You ready? A sneeze is faster than a blink of an eye. True or false? Okay, it's true. It's true. Okay, here we go. Olympic gold medals are actually made of silver. True or false? It's actually true. Actually true. Okay, this one's easy. This one's easy. Chocolate is good for dogs. Good job, good job. Pigs cannot look at the sky. True or false? Not as much confidence about the pigs as the dogs. That is actually uh, true. Pigs cannot look up at the sky. I have a pot-bellied pig named Petunia at the house, and uh, it's something about the, uh, well, just anyway, just, they just can't do it. Um, some breeds of giraffes say moo. True or false? It's true. There you go. There you go. Sharks don't blink their eyes. True or false? It's false, actually. Okay, a couple more, a couple more. Here we go. The word sandwich, this is easy. You guys should know this. The word sandwich is actually named after a person. True or false? It's true. An ostrich has the largest eyes in the world. True or false? Hey, you got it right. It's false. Giant squids, believe it or not, actually have the largest eyes. Two more. A baby has more bones than an adult. That is actually true. 
Last one, drum roll please. A shrimp's heart is in its head, true or false? That's actually true. It is true. Their heart is in their head. Um, Some things in life we can have opinions about. We can have lots of riveting, fun opinions and debates about. There are some things in life, though, just like these statements we looked at, that are simply true and simply false. And so how do we as followers of Jesus Christ, living in 2021, when you have catchphrases like misinformation, disinformation, uh, fake news, all these statements that come out, when things like tweets that are opinions now become truth in a matter of seconds, how do we live How do we make sense of all of this? How do we cut through the chaos in our life? In a world where absolute truth has been under attack for a number of years, how do we live as followers of Jesus? How do we stand on truth? What is truth in 2021? I want to give you three specific ways Scripture talks about truth. I want to give you one warning about truth and what happens when we fall away from truth. And I wanna give you one next step to take to begin to build your life on a foundation of truth in your heart and in your life. Soren Kierkegaard, a uh, philosopher, a theologian said this, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. And so I want to encourage you today to uh, open up your hearts, open up your hands, open up your minds, and, and, and rest in the truth of God's word today uh, and be challenged in this today. So if you've got a copy of scripture, what I want you to do is I want you to go to John chapter 17. We're going to move around quite a bit today because I'm covering a topic of truth today. So we're going to move quite a bit, but we're going to start in John chapter 17. And what's going on here in John chapter 17 is this is Jesus delivering uh, kind of his, his, his uh, prayer to the Father. Uh, in your Bible, there at the beginning, it might actually call this the high priestly prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. And in the middle of this prayer, in John chapter 17, verse 17, he prays this. He says, sanctify them. This is Jesus. Sanctify them by the truth. Why? Your word is truth. So if you're taking notes and we're talking about truth and what is truth and how do we build a life foundation on truth, what does scripture say, our ultimate authority about truth, you can write this down. The word is truth. The word is truth. This word here, this idea of sanctified, it's to be hallowed or consecrated or set apart. And how is that accomplished? What is the way that Jesus, the method, the mode in which Jesus is praying for us to be sanctified? He says it's the truth. The word is truth. Truth and being set apart for God are interconnected. They're intertwined. And Jesus gives us this great hope here that we can have confidence in the truth of the word of God. He says the word, your word, is truth. The word of God that is read, that is heard, that is understood and applied to our life. That verse of scripture, John 17, 17, is truth. 
and we can build our lives. The word is truth. Charles Spurgeon said this of this passage. He said, the more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. The operation of truth upon the mind is to separate a man, separate someone from the world unto the service of God. The more we engage our lives in in the word that is truth, the more our lives begin to look like Christ, the more our lives begin to reflect the image of Christ to the world around us. Why? Because it's being built on truth. The word is truth. God's word is true. The Bible that you hold in your lap or the Bible app that you're reading from on your phone or iPad, the contents of that It is truth. It can guide you in nearly every area of your life, in your finances, in parenting, in marriage, in relationships, in wisdom of how to live for God, knowledge, and even our intellect. Your word is truth. Jesus says it right here in this prayer gives us this hope and this confidence that we can count, what we can bank our lives on, what we can build our lives on is the foundation. The word is truth. But then also the truth of God, uh, the truth of God's word tells us something else. Not only is the word of God truth, your word is truth as Jesus prayed in John 17, but we also get this from the word of God that Jesus is truth. That's the second point you can write down if you're taking notes. Jesus is truth. In John 14, if you turn back just a couple of pages, in John 14, Jesus had this to say, gathered with his disciples just after he had told them, hey, a new command I give to you, love one another. This is how the world's gonna know you're my disciples if you love each other. He says this in John 14. I am the way... I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is Jesus saying? Jesus, uh, that truth isn't just a spoken word, it isn't just a written word, it isn't a, just a preserved word. Truth became a person and that person is Jesus. Jesus is truth. The absolute, most amazing, powerful, greatest demonstration that a person that became truth for us, uh, that demonstration is Jesus on the cross. He took on death because of his love that compelled him to take on that death. He defeated death because love compelled him to defeat death. Even the things that Jesus said when he walked this earth came to pass. Jesus is truth. We can bank our lives on that. We can build our lives on that. That the word is truth and Jesus is truth. Right out of John's gospel, John chapter one, it erupts with this beautiful, uh, almost a doxology, just right out of the gate. And in verse 14, John writes this. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Truth became a human being. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, moved into the neighborhood, took up residency with us. We observed his glory, his glory as the one and only son from the Father, and then here it is, full 
of what? Grace and truth. Jesus is truth. And I just want to say, in, in, in this day and age, when we have you know celebrities and this culture that we can follow people on social media and, and 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 YouTube and all the different platforms out there, it can be so easy to put so much stock on people and and what people say and take that so much as truth. And here's what we learned: the danger if if we're not building our lives on the fact that the word is truth and that Jesus is truth, the danger can be is that when we kind of overstock our lives onto people, here's what can happen. We talked about this last week, is that those people can turn into idols and idols always disappoint us. And if we, if we, if we've built our hope and we've built truth around someone and then they disappoint us and they let us down, what begins to happen? The foundation of truth begins to crumble in our lives. But Jesus gives us a better way. We can build our lives on the word because the word is truth and we can build our lives on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is truth. Jesus steps into humanity. Think about this. The word became flesh. Jesus steps into humanity and became truth for you. Truth that will never disappoint you. Truth that will never let you down. And so I want to say to you this morning is if you are looking for truth, look to Jesus. If you are wounded, because you thought something was true and then you found out it wasn't and you're carrying around these wounds, here's what I wanna to say to you, look to Jesus. If you are trying to sort through what to believe on a day in, day out basis in this world and it causes you fear and panic and anxiety and worry and you just feel overwhelmed, here's what I wanna to say to you. Jesus is full of grace and truth. In those moments, what do you do? You look to Jesus. Jesus is truth. He is the solid rock, the sure foundation. The word is truth. Jesus is truth. But then scripture also points us to something else. We lots of lots of you know places we can look at it for this, but, but scripture points us to something else that's very, very clear. The third point is this, is that the gospel is truth. The gospel is truth. We have the word is truth. Jesus is truth. And the gospel is truth. It would be helpful for us before we move on to say, okay, what is, let's define the gospel. I think Tim Keller's definition of the gospel is maybe the best and concise that is out there. He says it this way. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I mean, we could just shut the service down right now and go home and that should fill us with joy for the week. We are more sinful, and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. 
Paul writing to a uh, very dysfunctional church, a <laughs> uh, very troubled church, the church in Ephesus. And he starts his letter off to them uh, in this way, verse 13 of Ephesians 1, he says this. He's reminding them of the gospel and the truth and what Christ has done in their life. He says this, in him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When what? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. He, he says something similar to another church. If you go with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians 1, he says this, verse 3, I love this passage of scripture. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. This is what they've got their eyes fixed on. This is what they've got their hope fixed on. The hope that is reserved for them in heaven. And then what does he say? You have already heard about this hope in what? The word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. The gospel is hope and truth for our lives. It is the good news of the kingdom of God. That yes, we are more sinful, we are more flawed than we, than we could ever uh, come to terms with in our life. And yet at the same time, we are more dearly, deeply loved by Jesus than we can even comprehend. The gospel is hope. The gospel is truth. If it were not for Jesus giving us the gospel, this good news, the true news, not only the ugly parts that we have to confront, the fact that we are flawed, the fact that we are sinful, the fact that our hearts are set against God before he comes and, and makes us new, but also the glorious parts of the gospel, the fact that we are dearly deeply loved so much. John 3, 16, it's the verse that we, we memorize from a very young age. For God so what? Loved the world. The glorious parts of the gospel, that you are loved, dearly loved by God. If it were not for that, how much would we be grasping for life? Grasping at purpose, grasping for truth, and yet we know from Scripture that the Word is truth, that Jesus is truth, and the gospel is truth. So what's at stake? We know those things. Many of you, you're like, yeah, man, I could, I could preach that message. But what's the warning here? Because see, there's, there's always been this, this fight against what is true and what is not true. And so what's the warning for our lives to, to stray, to turn our eyes, to drift from truth? What's at stake if we as followers of Jesus, who are led by truth, and we know that Jesus is truth, and we know the gospel is truth, what is it at stake when we drift from that truth? In short, the stakes for abandoning truth, being led away from truth, are incredibly high. Paul writes to his dear young friend, Timothy, a young pastor struggling to shepherd uh, this very dysfunctional church that we just read about just a second ago. 
and he writes to him and he encourages him, but he also challenges him in this. Second Timothy chapter two, starting in verse 16. And, I, and just say, I'm gonna get these names wrong. I've practiced them all week, but I'm gonna get these names wrong. So, you know, just roll with it. Don't name your kids this. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage with it will produce even more godlessness and their teaching will spread like gangrene. If you underline in your Bible, highlight in your Bible, that's a really good thing to highlight or underline. Hymenius and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth. And what is the specific truth that in this context they have departed from? Paul gives us that. He says, saying that the resurrection has already taken place. In other words, essentially leaving this group of people in a very oppressive society with, with, with you know, Emperor Nero ruling over their lives, feeling lost and hopeless because these two guys have said, hey, the resurrection has already happened. And what does Paul say? He says right here, the resurrection has already taken place. That's the lie that's now been believed. And they are ruining the faith of some. So what's at stake? What's, what's, what's the, the, the thing that is at stake when it comes to truth? Here's what the warning is here from Paul, is that others are at stake. Others are at stake when it comes to us and our life, abandoning truth, walking away from truth, not building our lives on truth. Others are at stake. He mentions two individuals here that I can't get their names right and says that they've departed from the truth. And he says that the result is that this truth, this, 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 this falsehood has now spread like gangrene. Your translation, another way to translate that might be cancer. The point is the same. But see, an interesting thing happens in, um, in Bible translations. Sometimes the, the words that are there uh, in the Greek or the Hebrew, we don't have an English equivalent um, to match it exactly. And so the, the, tr the Bible translators just kind of have to say, hey, this is, this is kind of the essence and, and still try to make you know, Scripture read and flow smoothly. But in the Greek, what, what is really implied here, get this mental picture in your mind for just a minute. When Paul writes this and says that, that this false teaching spreads like gangrene, this is really the mental picture that Paul's trying to communicate. It's as if the field has already been plowed up. Now you know why they can't put this in, in English, modern English Bible translations. But the Greek here is implying this. It's as if the field has been plowed and it is ready to be sown. In other words, our hearts are turned. Our hearts are ready to receive either truth or falsehood. And Paul's warning here is very clear. Straying from the truth, drifting towards falsehood, drifting towards things that are not true. It spreads like a field that's just ready for, for sowing. And other people's faith, other people's lives are at stake. We as followers of Jesus are to be people 
of the truth. And yet, it's so easy for me, it's easy for you, we fall prey to it. And why? Well, because it's what we fell prey to, it's what our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell prey to. What did they fall prey to? They fell, they, 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 they fell prey to a lie. In Genesis chapter 3, the, 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 the sin DNA in our lives goes all the way back to believing a lie. They believed something that wasn't true. Hey, if you eat this fruit, did God really say that? Is that, is that really, really what God meant? And our first parents, Adam and Eve, went, mm, I don't know about that. Maybe not. Surely we won't die. And our hearts are drawn to that. Our hearts rebel against truth. How, how much in Scripture confronts that's truth that, that we, you know, we work with and we try to you know, massage a little bit here and there? Why? Because the truth confronts our lives. And, and, and many times we're, 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 we're not prone to give our lives to truth. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Is that even in those moments where our hearts are willed and, and warring against truth, Jesus stands and says, hey, I love you. I died for you. I rose again to prove my power, to prove my worth, to defeat sin and death in the grave on the cross. This is why truth is so important for us to wrestle through and work out in our lives. We have been given truth. The word is truth. Jesus is truth. The gospel is truth. And yet our hearts can stray. Our hearts can stray so easily. The hymn of our lives, you know, if you're that old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. You know, the, the context of that hymn comes from the parable that Jesus told about the man who was wise and built his house on the rock versus the man who was foolish and built his house on the sand. And when we, when we stray from the truth, our lives begin to look like it's risky. Our lives begin to look like the one who has not built his house on the rock, but built our lives, our foundation on the sand. So here's my challenge for you today. The, the one challenge I'm giving, the challenge that I want you to accept today is this, is to build your life daily on the foundation of truth. Build your life daily on the foundation of truth. You don't think there's a competition in your life for truth? Every day, there are people, places, and things vying for your attention for competing ideas of what truth is. And as followers of Jesus, we have been given the, the full armor of God, as Paul talked about in Ephesians 6, that we can arm ourselves with truth in our lives as we go about our life. And, and let me say this, there is nowhere, a lot of times we can mistake truth for just being a jerk. But nowhere in the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit being a jerk. 
We can balance grace and truth in our lives as followers of Jesus. But we have to build our lives daily on a foundation of truth. The truth that the word is truth. The truth that Jesus is truth. And the truth that the gospel is truth. I want to read a, a couple of passages of scripture just to sear this in our minds. Psalm 119 Verse 105, I think this was the very first, maybe other than John 3.16, I think this was the very first scripture I ever memorized when I was a kid. Psalm 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. What else can say that? Who else can say that? But it is the word, the word that is truth. The psalmist just before this writes, Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? And ladies, I want you to feel left out. Okay, this is just the word that's here. How can a person keep their way pure? By keeping your word. And then listen to the psalmist's heart here. Listen to his cry. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Don't let me stray from truth, God. What is it? I have treasured your word in my heart. Why? What's the effect of that? So that I might not sin against you. And then he moves into this prayer where he's asking the Lord, Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. Teach me what's true, God. With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees. As much as in all the riches, I will what? Meditate on your precepts. I'll meditate on your word. I'll meditate on your commands. I will meditate on your truth. And think about your ways. And we know this. That if Jesus is true, then your ways, his ways are true. I will delight in your statutes. And we know that if they're his statutes, then they're true. And I, here we go again, will not forget your word. I will not forget your word. Why? Because the psalmist has said, I am building my life daily on a foundation of truth. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your truth is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when, when things compete, when I'm tempted to turn my heart and my life away from things that are true and things that are maybe not in line with the character of God and I'm, I'm tempted to turn my back on those things and, and go this other way, go this other path that feels easier. No, I've built my life daily on the foundation of God's word. So I wanna give you a couple of, uh, I wanna give you one place to go to begin to do this. On our website, gracehill901.com, if you go to gracehill901.com slash truth, there's a webpage there, and I want to challenge you. I created a 30-day reading plan where you can read through the Gospels in 30 days. It's about three chapters a day. It will take you, depending upon your reading speed, maybe 
12 to 15 minutes a day to just sit and read the ministry of Jesus, sit and read the life of Jesus, and do it in 30 days. On there, there's also a reading plan where you can read through the Gospel of Mark. It's, it's fast, it's quick, it, it moves from sort of scene to scene to scene to scene in Jesus' life. And, and there's just a 15-day reading plan. You basically read one chapter a day until the 15th day, and then you just get to read about the resurrection. You get to read chapters 15 and 16. And then if you say, hey, I'm not ready to make that kind of a commitment, then there's a five-day plan. We're starting tomorrow or this afternoon, whatever you would want to do. You could read through the book of James in five days, five chapters, one chapter a day. James is like, it's like stepping into the, 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 the boxing ring with a, with, a, with a heavyweight champion. I mean, every verse, it's like a right hook and a left jab. I mean, it just comes at you. And then there's also some videos on there, some next steps, some other resources that you can take. And all that's, obviously it's free. Take it, read it, build your life on a foundation, a daily foundation of truth. Scott McKnight said this. So if God is the truth, our faith is in the truth. And we are to walk in the truth. And anything that opposes the truth or undermines the truth is not of God. So let's build our lives daily. You realize you have the in your in your pocket right now. In 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 your your bookshelf at home. You have the greatest starting place to build your life on a life daily, a foundation daily of truth right here, right here. The word is true, Jesus is true, and the gospel is true. So let's take those things, those free gifts from God, Let's leverage those things to, to be fully devoted followers of Jesus and build a life daily on the foundation of truth so that when things come and tempt us to turn our eyes, to believe things, to, to chase after things that are not true, that are counter to what God's word says, we have equipped ourselves with the message and the hope of Jesus, the message and the hope of his word, and the message and the hope of the gospel, to have our life built daily on the foundation of truth. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good to us. And I thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Jesus, thank you for the gospel, because without the gospel, all of this would just be completely irrelevant. If, if there was not a way where we were able to be made right with God because you came and you bled and you died and, and you loved us in this indescribable way, none of this would even be possible. But because you came and you you offered yourself and you brought us back to God. 
Now we can live our lives full of grace, live our lives in grace, live our lives in truth. So I pray that you would give us the courage to wake up tomorrow, to go home today, and to say, I want to build my life daily on a foundation of truth. Build my life daily on the word. Build my life daily on a relationship with Jesus. And build my life daily on the confidence and the freedom that comes from knowing and living the gospel. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.